0: The last word with Matt Cooper. Today, Joining us for the week trending, Eva Barry, broadcaster journalist, author of the book Social Capital, and also Larry Donnelly, lecturer in law at the University of Galway. Thank you both very much for being with us. Now, we've spent quite a bit of time this week dealing with the continuing assault on Gaza by Israel, the retaliation for the dreadful terrorist attack of nearly three weeks ago, which took over 1,400 lives in absolutely dreadful, horrific circumstances. And since then, we have focused on what many people in Ireland regard to be the disproportionate response of the Israeli army under political guidance. So... How easy is it to talk about these things? We've seen what's happened to Paddy Cosgrove. Aoife, tell us about the Irish woman who has lost her job here in Dublin because of what she said on a notice board in an Israeli-owned company.
1: Yes, yeah, so her name is Courtney Carey. She's from Clondalkin, uh, and she worked for a company called Wix, um, which is a tech company. I think they're involved in making websites. They're actually an Israeli um, software company. So she posted on, I think it was LinkedIn, that she was posting about um, the the incident that happened. and she talked about Israel, describing it as a terrorist state, and she criticised what she called the indiscriminate bombing of Gaza. Um, and then she later clarified that she condemned all forms of terrorism, and that she didn't support Hamas. Um, uh, you know, she's particularly obviously talking about the October um incident that you're talking about there. But because she said these things on LinkedIn, um, the company dismissed her due to her comments and then it emerged the Irish Times covered this they broke the story and then it emerged that leaked internal messages from their Slack channels um, or Slack program in Wix showed that the company was encouraging its employees to create content supporting you know quote unquote Israel's narrative in, in the conflict with, with Hamas so it's been an interesting story evolving from not just her comments on LinkedIn leading her to lose her job but the fact that the Israeli company was encouraging the people working there to support one particular side and some of the quotes are, like one of them, for example from that Slack channel says uh, that the quote is, unlike the Gazans, we look and live like Europeans or Americans is one of the quotes that was in the Irish Times that was leaked from that internal Slack channel and the channel was called Supporting Israel Narrative
0: if she takes a case, Larry, for unfair dismissal, it's going to be a very, very interesting one, isn't
2: it? It, it certainly will be. There, there's no, you know, clear-cut answer as to how it will turn out. The, the the field of employment law is topsy-turvy, but it would seem to me that she would absolutely have a colorable case, especially because what I would what I would say as EFA recounts there seems to be some tone policing, at least ahead of time, uh, and the rashness with which she was ter- her employment was terminated. So, however that turns out, remains to be seen. Uh, on the other hand, uh, Wicks, I, I suspect. From a public relations point of view, uh, they'd probably be happy to eat the lawsuit, that is, to take on board the damages if they're perceived to be standing forthwith uh, on behalf of Israel. Uh, and this really brings to the fore uh, a real difference. I-, I suppose Wix, obviously, is an Israeli company, but a transatlantic difference in how this is all seen. And I can't stress this enough for an Irish uh, list- listenership. The reality is, this is seen so dramatically differently in the United States, to how it is seen here. Uh, I can't get over it, even in casual conversations with friends who I would regard to be uh, otherwise reasonable, who are wholeheartedly, without exception, uh, on the side of Israel and see no fault whatsoever uh, with their reaction. Uh, And the reaction typically... Sorry,
0: this is Friends in America rather than here in in Ireland. Friends
2: in Boston... Who would, again, as I say, otherwise reasonable people who are Republicans, Democrats, both sides of the aisle, it transcends the ideological divide in the United States. And the general tenor in the wake of what happened on the 7th of October is... We don't care if you blow the place to the ground, do what you need to do.
0: But in what people say publicly and in employment, it's very interesting. There's a number of very prominent cases in the United States that are quite similar to the Paddy Cosgrave case of people being reprimanded or demoted for expressing any views on social media that might be regarded as sympathetic towards Hamas or Gaza. But it goes beyond that. I even see, for example, in Hollywood, the Writers Guild, which recently was united in a strike against the producers, uh, that it decided to say nothing. And many of its members have now come and attacked it for sitting on the fence and not taking the Israeli
2: side. Absolutely. The the attacks are coming fast and furious. Uh, I'm told by people who would know that, for instance... Harvard University, which uh, those are, you know, who favor the Israeli side of things, in the United States, would say took something of an ambiguous stance uh, early on. Um, they've since tried to correct that stance, at least in their view, that the cost of the Harvard endowment could run into the billions. Uh, over years, in terms of people withdrawing donations and foundations withdrawing from that. More, I suppose, imminently, uh, there are Harvard Law School students who stood, who, who, who made statements uh, in support of Palestine, who immediately had their job offers with large law firms in the United States immediately rescinded uh, on foot of that. So I. So that's
0: McCarthy-type blacklisting, well, isn't it?
2: It is. I, I can't condone. I mean, the idea that the United States, a country that stands for free speech, uh, that these things can happen. Obviously, uh, donors can do what they like, uh, but the idea that, for instance, law firms would rescind offers uh, to young people who are just simply expressing their, their political opinions uh, you know would, would would act in such a drastic fashion and effectively, as you say, blacklist these people. It's very worrying. And
0: this is not people, IFA, who are supporting Hamas in any way, but who have been punished for not supporting Israel's response and for not mm. condemning explicitly enough as far as these people are concerned, what Hamas did?
1: Yeah, we're seeing in some people's eyes um, the conflation of, um, you know, supporting Hamas with supporting Palestine to be free or supporting um, Palestinians to not be bombed in their homes. Um, And you're also seeing a conflation of anti-Semitism with anti-Zionism and there's a lot of difficult discussions happening on social media where there there's kind of blanket um, presumptions around people's point of view because they say that they are opposed to one thing and people read them as being opposed to something completely different. Um, and, you know, here in Ireland, I suppose we are seeing on social media, I think if you're an Irish person living in, or if you're living in Ireland on social media, the Irish voice tends to be representing the Palestinian point of view, and there's a long tradition of that in Ireland and because we're not in America looking at social media, we don't know what it's like over there, and then you see American uh, celebrities coming in on your feed that you might be following, like Amy Schumer or Sarah Silverman, putting their feet in it, really saying things that over here might be seen as completely, something you could not say and innocuous, but not innocuous here, but they innocuous in the US and over here, you think, how dare they say that so it's so interesting you know what larry's talking about there that huge divide between people um and and that i think that i that re- i think there's a refusal from some people to understand that being pro-palestinian is not being pro hamas because if they start if they start recognizing that then they'll have to understand that you can't if that by bombing people indiscriminately um in gaza you, you know, you're not just targeting hamas you're ta- you're targeting you know families people who do not deserve to die of
0: course, we also had, when we talk about social media posts, we had an Israeli diplomat in Dublin tweeting earlier in the week, effectively accusing the Irish government in sending humanitarian relief to Palestine for participating and funding
2: in the building of Hamas Tunnels. Yeah, deeply, deeply disturbing. I I have to say I I had quite a visceral reaction to that tweet when I first saw it, uh, which was, you know, in general, I I was opposed to the calls for removing the Israeli ambassador that some on the hard left here uh, have been issuing in recent days. I I was uh, completely opposed to that. But as soon as I saw that tweet, my immediate thought was that person needs to go. Uh, you know, Obviously, I took a step back from that afterwards. But the, my, my real comment there, and this is not the first in a long line uh, of really kind of negative and nasty things that have been said by Israeli diplomats uh, in this country, was uh, what kind of diplomat uh, is this person? It seems to me that this person couldn't pass Diplomacy 101 uh, if they're making these kinds of remarks uh, and placing this kind of blame uh, on a country which presumably they're here to maintain good relations with and build bridges with uh, to say such a thing. So uh, I think it was absolutely reprehensible. It was deleted. But in my view, uh, this person should be removed immediately.
0: Just getting back to the the Courtney Carey story, there are mm. listeners saying like you know, what did she expect if she works in an Israeli owned company, if she makes comments like that, even if that's her sincerely held belief, would not common sense suggest you're not going to actually be allowed to post that type of thing by your employer?
1: I suppose it depends in I suppose it depends on that like just because it's an Israeli owned company doesn't necessarily mean you shouldn't be able to say anything that, that criticizes Israel. But I do think there's one key Line or key phrase that she used that was picked up in the response from from Wix that I think is maybe the crux of everything and that she described Israel as a terrorist state. And when Wix uh, released their statement, they basically said that it was extremely difficult to see these comments where it was where they were claiming it was it was effectively having Israelis be called terrorists by someone they perceive as a teammate and, and a colleague. They said that's unfathomable. So it seems to be those that particular wording has been picked up. Whereas I feel like if that wasn't in there, perhaps I'm. I'm not too sure. like I can't really say, but it feels like the reaction might not have been as strong. But... I suppose maybe it, maybe it might have been... Um, we'll we'll, but we'll
0: I think see it's, what it's, way any court we'll, hearing... Exactly, or, they, they, or they, will de, they will determine that. Yeah. that. Another listener says, surely we can show support to the people of Palestine without it being seen as a sign of support to Hamas. Just like the IRA did not speak for all Irish Catholics, Hamas does not speak for all Palestinians. I feel for the innocent people, once again caught up in a conflict which was never of their making. How difficult, Larry, do you think might a position be as well for the Irish government, which has been strong at an EU level in trying to push for a declaration we want to cease fire, has been very strong in humanitarian aid and has been strong in saying that Israel should not react disproportionately. If Paddy Cosgrave and the Web Summit lose out because American business doesn't like what he says, is there a danger that Ireland could suffer a little bit from foreign investment, from the views of the American government, if we're perceived as being not on Israel's side?
2: It's an excellent question. It's one I've been thinking about an awful lot uh, over the past couple of days because I I think how this is, again, how this is perceived is so dramatically different. Uh, I happen to believe the way that the Irish government has played, uh, I shouldn't say played because I don't want to trivialize it, but the way the Irish government has handled this, uh, I think is commendable. I think it has done the absolute right thing. I couldn't agree more with the statements uh, generally speaking, uh, of the Taoiseach and the Tarnashto when it comes to this. However, uh, I do recognize that they are anathema uh, in large segments of America, in particular uh, in corporate America. And, and the other thing I, I would note, and, I, and I've said this before and been slated for it, uh, I do wonder in particular about Sinn Féin uh, and its posturing uh, you know, init- at least initially uh, and the Sinn Féin support base in the United States, in particular uh, in New York. Uh, and I know that obviously a lot of people, the Sinn Féin Stance on Palestine, Israel is well known, it's been there for a long time, but in this moment in time, uh, I do wonder uh, about that, and I do wonder about some of the Irish-Americans who would have very strongly supported and donated to Sinn Féin, and how they're going to react to that, all of that in the end
0: Okay, we need to take a break, we'll be back with more with Larry Donnelly and Aoife Barry after we've had the break. Aoife Barry and Larry Donnelly are with us for the week trending, but let's hear a little bit about the return of the former politician known as Bojo Hi, folks, Boris Johnson here. I'm excited to say that I'm shortly going to be joining you on GB News. And I'm going to be giving this remarkable new TV channel my unvarnished views on everything from Russia, China, the war in Ukraine, how we meet all those challenges to the huge opportunities that lie ahead for us. Why I think our best days are yet to come and why, on the whole, the people of the world want to see more global Britain, not less. So join me on GB News for some great British television. God help who has to look after the hair and makeup for him anyway. Well, I suppose the best days are ahead of the world, given that he's no longer in charge of anything significant, Larry. Uh,
2: I, I think that's true, but uh, I suppose listeners might want to, might want to hear this, but I, I think it's a, it's a great signing for GB News. Uh, the reality is GB News... Uh, pays well; otherwise, Johnson wouldn't be signing up. But its its viewership is quite low. Uh, I think Boris Johnson is someone who will attract an audience. I mean, we only need to look at the opinion polls. Uh, that suggests that were Boris Johnson warts and all uh, the Tory leader going into the next, next election, the Tories would still lose, but they would probably lose by less of a margin than they would with Rishi Sunak uh, at the head. So if Johnson has uh, an audience there, uh, and whether people like it or not, uh, I suspect he will draw a crowd. So GB News is probably making a shrewd business decision here, no matter what we think of it.
0: Aoife, is this part of the merger almost between right-wing politics and right-wing broadcasting in that in America- America, Fox News' promotion of Donald Trump and indeed his role on The Apprentice previously created an aura which he was able to exploit for political purposes, purposes, excuse me. Mm -hmm. Boris Johnson became popular in part with things like Have I Got News For You and BBC television and his various television appearances. So this is sort of a natural movement between the two media.
1: Yeah, and I suppose Boris Johnson likes being the entertainer as well. He's not necessarily someone who went into politics because he fervently believes in democracy. <laughs> he went into it because he likes having power and he likes um, he likes appearing like the bumbling fool while actually holding all the, you know, cards um, behind his back. And he is someone who has been um, a journalist, who does have a background in being a columnist um, and it is a really good sign, like Larry was saying, for GB News. And yes, it does show that, you know, GB News is an example of, I suppose, the UK looking to those American examples of those Tucker Carlson, over-the-top extremely kind of, you know, uh, right leading um, people who are really OTT in a way that they feel balances what they would see as the more kind of left-leaning or progressive sides of the media that they don't like and they want their own mouthpieces and, and the GB News wants to probably position itself as a sort of a Fox News, but it has been not doing a brilliant job of that in the sense that, you know, like Larry, Larry's saying, it's not really getting a lot of people in and it's had a lot of really embarrassing things happening to it over the last while. Um, the thing about Boris as well is people will tune in to see him whether they like him or not. Mm. So you're you're immediately getting people listening and watching, should I say, who don't like Boris. Whereas I think with a lot of the other presenters, they'll really only want to watch because they like them or they you know, support what they have to say.
0: Reinforcement exactly. against your Nigel but, Farage's or whatever. Exactly. Okay, as it happens, the likes of Tucker Carlson, Donald Trump and others all featured on the social media posts of the main shooting suspect. Larry Donnelly, it strikes me as surprising that this guy is still loose because... In all of these major shootings that we've had in recent years, the latest examples of the incredible gun craze in the United States, the shooter tends to take his own life or be caught that this guy is still around is quite extraordinary, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing obviously to say is, you know, your heart breaks for these people who are at a a, a pub having dinner or at a bowling alley having a a fun night uh, in some you know, crazy person walks in with a gun he never should have had and shoots the place up. Uh, it's another day in America, I regret to say. But but on the point you make, I, I think it's a very valid one. Uh, you know, Maine is not, not too far from where, where I grew up. And, and a lot of us are saying, you know, how is this guy still on the loose? Now, he is somebody with, you know, substantial experience and knowledge of Maine, which is a woodsy, foresty state. So, you know, he would be well equipped to hide out and everything else. My own suspicion, you know, without a huge amount of foundation, my own suspicion is that he is probably dead in those woods somewhere. Uh, but uh, the fact that he has been able to elude capture for so long uh, is really, really frightening. Uh, and again, a lot that part of Maine remains pretty much uh, on lockdown. So it's a really scary time for all those people.
0: OK, let's move to some perhaps lighter stories. Um, would you be worried about your passwords for hacking, Aoife, given what you've seen about the uh, vulnerability of many people in new research this week?
1: Uh, yeah, I was I was looking at, at the story you were saying about some of the most common passwords that leave you vulnerable, including people using Liverpool and Manchester as their passwords. Any Liverpool and Manchester fans, or Manchester fans, exclude United or Manchester City? Yeah, Ava, you come know, on. No, I know, but listen, <laughs> listen. Do it's I not pay just attention to Manchester. But, yeah, I was, I was struggling to remember. This. I was going to say City, and I was like, there's another one I remember. I'm misremembering, look, sure, look. Um, yeah, so don't use that as your password, basically. And I was thinking, thinking back to mine, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're pretty locked down, I'm pretty sure. But like, who's to say? I mean, these days as well, like, you know, people often use the same password for everything, which is obviously not a great idea. Or the other alternative is maybe to use an app that, that has like kind of a uh, an, a major password that you use to allow you to use other passwords for everything. But that's so confusing. I'm always afraid that I like, you know, lose my phone or something and get locked out of everything. Yeah,
0: because Ari, um, keep changing your passwords, who can remember it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I take the point that people say, you know, you you shouldn't have the same password for everything. But God, with all the passwords and sign-ins we're constantly doing all the time, how would you ever keep track of it all? The other editorial comment I would make is one of the most commonly used passwords is this phrase, and maybe you guys know, I certainly don't. (laughs) Called QWERTY QUERTY. What the hell that's does a that mean? That's when you learn how yeah. to touch type. It's the QWERTY keyboard. Well, that <laughs> shows my ignorance. But <laughs> no. well, it's not only
1: because probably weren't staring reading your keyboard, which is a good I think it's a good excuse. So yeah, it's the first um and there's other keyboards in um in different countries that have it okay. in a different way. Aoife tell us about how
0: half of Gen Z viewers apparently want less sex on TV screens.
1: Yeah, this is interesting because there's always a lot of talk around uh, particularly in kind of film and T V based, you know, publications and websites. Sites about um, whether or not, uh, particularly film, actually whether or not Gen Z are actually into seeing sex on screen, and you know, um, there's been talks people don't don't want to see it, and that the sex scene is actually dying. Um, and actually, yeah, I mean, if you go to the cinema these days, you don't really get a lot get a lot of sex scenes unless you're going to see a specific sort of film. Um, so, no shade on people who do, but according to this particular um, study by the Center for Scholars and Storytellers, they they spoke to 15,000 adolescents who were aged between 10 and 24, and uh, the majority of them basically said they want to see more. Content centered around friendships and platonic relationships. And then a majority of them said that the sex wasn't needed for the plot in most TV shows and movies. And 44.3% said um, that they felt romance was overused in media. What I thought was really interesting is that the examples of the TV shows that are used in this, this particular report are HBO's Euphoria and The Idol. Now, if you've seen either of those, no wonder the young people do not want to, to kind of have that sort of, um, you know, romance and sex scenes replicated, because they're actually Mercer, very... Mercer romance? Yeah, there's none, and they're <laughs> actually I mean, The Idol in particular, but, and Euphoria is a very, very dark show, and to me what this says is that young people want to see a range of things. They, they don't just want to see a really intensely damaging, dangerous relationship played out. they want to sh- see platonic friendships they also don't want to see and they, they said in this uh, report as well they don't want to see that thing of like a boy and girlfriend have to fall in love with each other I'm sure that they see that there's like more things that are going on between between young people and relationships and to me this doesn't say that they're they're prudes it says that they actually just want more variety and they maybe I think if you look at something like the idol and euphoria the gender relationships there between men and women are kind of troubling as well too in, 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 in some elements and uh, you know, if you're a young woman watching it, you might be like I don't want my real life to depict that, I want to see something that's actually, um, you know more positive and maybe more like, you know, normal people, more consent focused.
2: As, as at this but, stage, an old generation X thought, I have to say <laughs> they don't want to watch sex on TV they don't seem to like drinking beer. Where did it all go wrong, Matt? What's really wrong really with them? <laughs> I really don't know.
0: Okay, one final one, we've seen again this week, there's a proposal of a ban, a blanket ban of mobile phone use in schools but teachers unions are suggesting a second level, it would be difficult to implement. You're a lecturer in law at the University of Galway, At third level. How often do you see your students been distracted by the use of mobile phones? How often do they go off in your lecture halls?
2: Do I have to be honest? Uh, yeah, yeah they, it happens all the time. It happens incessantly. Do you throw uh, them out? No, I don't. No, I don't. I, I keep going, but it, it is a fact of life. And, and the, the other reality is uh, not just uh, not just phones, but uh, they're all on laptops these days. And in theory, they are taking notes and you know watching everything we say. But we aren't behind the screens of those laptops, so we don't know. Uh, I do have a you know in terms of the the phones in the schools. Uh, I do think it's very hard to police. Uh, and the other thing I'd say in terms of young people and phones, there are advantages. You know, one of the things we often talk about is kids don't walk to school. Etc. Etc. Um, you know, maybe if they had phones, uh, they'd walk home, and parents would feel a little bit better about that. So I'm a little bit ambivalent about some of the things that's so negative on young people having phones.
0: We've got to leave it there, Larry Donnelly and Efa Barry. Thank you both so much for being with us here to do the week trending on the Last Word of today FM. The Last Word with Matt Cooper, weekdays from four thirty.